This podcast is recorded in front of a live studio audience at Legend Comics in Omaha, Nebraska. You're listening to the Two-Headed Nerd Comic Cast with Joe and Matt. Check out our Facebook page for a little Ask a Nerd Extra this week, guys. Welcome to episode 33 of THN, where we're talking comics for the week of Wednesday, September 7th. My name is Matt Baum, and when I'm not distracting myself from the giant pile of DCU number ones by drinking gallons of Pauliner Oktoberfest brews <laughs> and smashing schnitzel and sausage into my face, which sounds kind of gay when you say it like that. Man, I'm writing about I wasn't gonna say comics for WorthPoint.com. I drank enough beer to blow up the Death Star last <laughs> night. It was amazing. And I'm Joe Patrick, artist and co-creator of Good Plus Online, and when I'm not skipping Oktoberfest, because beer tastes yucky to my dainty mouth, and claiming I'm feeling under the weather, which can only be due to another attack of a disease my co-host has diagnosed as weak baby-itis. It's serious. He's going to have to live with it for the rest of his life. I am the manager of Legend Comics in Omaha, Nebraska. Why do I read this stuff? You're a survivor. Why Joe do Patrick. I read this stuff that and you write for me? that's why I love you. This week, the two-headed nerd takes a break from the usual format to have an in-depth look at all the new DCU relaunch out. titles Don't freak out. the shelves as part of our month-long special segment where the THN dissects the new DCU. Think of us as your tour guides as we go... What? <laughs> I'm not reading that. I love it when you don't read As we first. journey together into all 52 new DCU titles. Right now, let's wade into the strange waters of the brand spanking new relaunched DCU as a part of a month-long special segment we're calling A Whole New World. This is where the Peebo Bryson comes out. Sweeping musical yeah, melodies. Baby. Yeah. Turn this up in your car if you're driving. Don't you dare close Okay, I've got my snorkel and fins. The water's gonna be a little cold at first, but we'll get used to it. Let's start at the beginning with A, buddy. Action Comics, number one. All right. By Act- Grant Morrison and Rags Morales. Take yes. it away. Uh, so this is one of the two superhero titles, Justice League being the other, that takes place five years in the past and kind of sets up the, I won't go as far as to say origin, because the Superman origin They're is- not touching it. Not present in this issue. And if they are going to touch it, yeah, it doesn't. nothing like that happens here. But it kind of sets up the new dynamic. It shows how they, in Justice League, it's showing how the team forms. And this is showing how Superman goes from young guy starting out, social crusader. And they do mention Smallville. And they, I mean, like, mm-hmm. so there are nods. We know it's not like a completely new Superman. No, uh, it it's but it is a different take. And they kind of, Grant Morrison kind of rolls back the clock to a Superman that, kind of stepped out of the 1930s and 40s. Yeah, this is Siegel and Schuster's Where he Superman. was, you know, roughing up corrupt union bosses and stuff. But this is this was a great book. Was, I loved it. I really did too. You know what? And the thing that I said, I was having an argument with a friend of mine who hated it, who will remain nameless, and his initials are Joel Ballard. Um, <laughs> and I was saying that while I read this, the the Superman theme song started playing in my head. Totally. It was there, totally. man. And like, is he wearing jeans and boots? Yeah, but I got over it really quick because this is young Superman. This is a story we've never seen, by the way. It's always been like Superboy wearing the tights or Superman wearing the tights. This is young Superman figuring it out. Yeah. And he's brash and he's brave and he's unstoppable and he knows it. And guess what? He's a kid. Well, I buy that's the it. thing. He's not unstoppable and that's part of what I really like. Well, it's unstoppable as far as most of these people can't hurt him. Yeah, whatsoever. this is not the Superman we know that can, you know, push planets and fly to apocalypse. Yeah, this is... He can leap tall buildings. And run real fast. He's faster than a speeding bullet. Yep. 
and he kind of is more powerful than a locomotive, but <laughs> not really. Well, and we meet Lex Luthor here. We meet yes. Lois. We meet Jimmy. They are more like contemporaries of his as opposed to him being Jimmy's boss. I really right. liked they the They make part. a reference where Jimmy called their best friends. And you've got classic Lois getting in trouble, you know, because she's uh, too plucky. You know, like, my, he's always trying to steal our stories. That Clark Kent. Uh, tell him to shut up. We're my, getting on this train my anyway. My favorite line of the book is where Jimmy is telling Lois he's on the phone with Clark and she's like, Clark who? And he's like, you know, Clark, my best friend, the reporter guy. And Lois Lane is like, Clark Kent. Ha! And then marches off. <laughs> and she, like, she is super feisty Lois Lane, and I really, but really This was it. great. I'm, I like strong buy it for Action Comics, Absolutely. Man. I uh, think they nailed it. This is very close to the top of the heap for me. Next up is Animal Man by Jeff Lemire and Travel Foreman. Uh, this is one of the ones I think most of us, at least here where we are at the shop, uh, were most looking forward to. This is Animal Man kind of stepping back into a leading role from Vertigo. He's been around the DCU for the last few years, but kind of off on the sidelines. Yeah, this is kind of a return to Grant Morrison's kind of animal. Yeah, exactly. Not the Buddy Baker we've known for a little while. Here. His family, you know, he's back uh, living the family life. And that's kind of what I liked is that the contrast here between this character and a lot of others is that he is a happy family man. Yeah. They know who he is. They accept his life. And he's famous. He's yeah. an actor. He's very well he's known. He's a stuntman, yeah. He's the... He, face of like this animal rights movement right. and like he's got you know articles published about him yeah like, it opens up with this really cool him. interview yeah. like written by in, in something like a rolling stone or a spin type mm-hmm. magazine where they're interviewing buddy baker the animal man well and he's at this stage now in his life where he is uh semi-retired you know he'll put on the tights if he has to and of course he does in this issue but for the most part, he's content to live, you know, his life in the suburbs. But when he goes into action here, something goes horribly wrong with his powers, and that kind of kickstarts the plot. Uh, but what I really loved about this issue is the way they illustrate his abilities. Yeah, the web of like a- of animal life and everything, yeah. and how he delves into it. It was really cool. And so, like for the first fifteen pages, you're like, "Oh, this is just going to be kind of a straight superhero book," and then you get to the last five, and he's dreaming. Yeah. Uh, about the red, which well, let's is, not give anything away. Yeah. What's going on? But it, this is definitely a horror. book. It's a horror book, and it is freaky. I really enjoyed it. I will say, I like Travel Foreman a lot. I don't like this art. I I, I thought it was hard to look at. Oh, I, thought I it disagree was weird. strongly. It was sort of photo referenced, and like I don't like it. I don't no, like what he's doing. I don't. I disagree completely. Super thin line, weird looking. I I didn't care for it. This There's is how he looks that, all the time. No, I disagree. I I disagree there, man. Uh, uh, no, I thought it was beautiful, and especially when it transitioned from real world to dream world. Now, the dream world I thought uh, was gorgeous, and maybe it's because it's in black and white. Scary and creepy. I'm still giving this a buy it. Uh, yeah, this book was one of the greats. Give it a give it a read, buy it. Yes, are you ready, Robin? Yes, Batman. Next up, we've got Batgirl by Gail Simone and our boy Adrian Sayaf. What did you think? I thought it was great. I, I really enjoyed it, and I know people are, are nitpicking on this one, and what I'm saying to them, and here's the thing. Well, let's just go ahead and give it away. They don't tell you why she's walking around. They acknowledge True. she got shot. They acknowledge she was paralyzed for a while. They do not acknowledge anything about Oracle. I will say that. Yeah. No nod to Oracle. This is a this much is younger I, Barbara. Yeah, and that's what I needed. Like I At first read, I liked it, but the more I thought about it, the more it started to bother me. This was arguably one of the most controversial oh, yeah. of the new 52. Oh, yeah. 
and they really needed to sell it in this first issue, and I don't think they did. See, now I think it's coming. There's a reference. She says she got <clears throat> shot. No, I agree she that says it's she was coming. Paralyzed. I agree that it's part of the first storyline. I think it needed to be in the first issue. See, it doesn't bother me that yeah. much. They're, I understand they're trying to hit the ground running. They did a good job with that. Some of the dialogue. One of my favorite lines I've read in a comic for quite a while, the psychotic killer guy in the beginning, where he's like, have you ever felt something so important that it just drives you and pushes you and you just have to follow your dream? He's like, that's how I feel about home invasion and murder. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was fantastic um, line. The, the art was very good. Gorgeous. I, I kind of squint so that I don't see how ridiculously over-designed her costume is. It is really, I will say. With the, all the flares the and gloves and kind ugh. of body. It sort of looks like Chris. Crustacean, almost? Yes, it does look crustacean. Yeah, I, um, but, you know, it it's not a deal breaker. I, Simone is giving, getting the benefit of the doubt from me. I yeah. just wish they had punched a little harder how she got healed and whether or not she was Oracle. It's going to happen. Because, I don't think she was Oracle. But, yeah, by them not mentioning that she was Oracle, yeah. I'm saying at this point, she wasn't. Uh, that's what I'm saying, too. Which is really the only reason most people care about Barbara Gordon. But it's almost silly that she could have been Oracle in this five-year period of time where she was paralyzed for three of them, just got out of college, yeah. trained to be Batwoman. You know, like... I'm w- but the Batman side of the universe, I'm willing to let the timeline slide a little because he operated in the shadows for so long. Right. So... I'm still giving anyway. this one a buy it. I'm yeah, on board. I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. Buy it. All right. Batwing number one is next by Judd Winnick and Ben Oliver. This is kind of one of the continuing concepts from the old DC universe. It's an odd... Batman an odd Incorporated. To go with one of... The, I don't know. There's a lot of Batman Incorporated characters it could have gone with. This is an odd choice. I don't hate it. Well, DC's really making an effort to... Increase the diversity, and I and I understand uh, that. And that's some of it comes off as a little hamfisted, a but, little forced. Uh, but uh, you know, I'm interested in the idea of this character. This is, yeah, this is a bad story that we've never seen before. Yes, this is a um, whole new thing. The artwork is beautiful. I really love the art. Yep. It's kind of painterly. Uh, my one complaint is that there's a lot. It, it's kind of lacking in background and detail. That's what I was just gonna say. I was gonna and, open it up and point like the the part where the massacre character they introduce is like going up to the bus to just kill some people, and there's like this generic pyramid in the background. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, I mean, some of it is a little hit and miss. Like the massacre character and the dialogue is straight up '90s badness. But I am very interested. In this character and the fact that he's a policeman in his off hours. Uh, yeah, that's kind of fun. And now he's been recruited into this organization to work for Batman, and he's got all of Africa to uh, patrol to take care of, which leads me to my main complaint. Africa is not a country. No. And it's a big beat for one guy. <laughs> yeah. And there's no real sense of, like, place. And that kind of goes back to my comment about the backgrounds is that you don't really get a sense of where he is. Yeah. Ever. And, I, and, and I, in a book like this, the setting is important. It's very important. And I, and I, again, I understand they're trying to hit the ground running here and give us some action. But this is another one of those. And you'll, I think you'll see a running theme through a lot of these books. The complaint that I have, not a lot of character or background here. More just like, you're in the action. We'll get to that later. You know, we, I think we can sum that up in our final thoughts at the end because I have a comment on that as well. But so far, I'm interested. I give it a buy it. Yeah, I'm sticking with this uh, one as well. On the strength of John Winnick and Ben Oliver's uh, as a really strong creative team. So Moving right along, we've got Batman Detective Comics by Tony S. Daniel and Ryan Wynn on Tony's colors. Tony's Daniel? Tony's Daniel. 
This is uh, nothing new from Tony Daniel. I'll say that. If this is your first shot at Detective, I'm not excited. This is more ham-fisted Tony Daniel dialogue. Again, the art is gorgeous. This guy can draw the hell out of a comic. <clears throat> the art is beautiful. But and I disagree. I thought it was stronger than his Batman work. I will say stronger. It's a definite improvement. It is an improvement. I still don't care. I don't like the way that it was written. I don't like the fact that I understand that Batman is not known by the police and is a controversial figure and they're cracking down on him. I don't need to see Batman punching a policeman so hard that he shatters his riot shield. That's dumb. If he's trying to make the police trust him and work with him, he should not be beating the crap out of them. <sighs> we launch right into this sort of Joker story and we've got this Jack the Ripper kind of thing. It just feels kind of played out to me. And I, this is not what I was hoping for with a Detective Comics number one. This just kind of felt like filler Tony Daniel to me, and I really didn't care. You see, and I disagree. I thought it was stronger, and I thought that the plot was interesting enough to keep me, uh, to keep me coming back, at least for the f- next issue. There's a new villain called the Dollmaker, and I'm really curious to see what his deal is. Um, there's a there's a shocking ending, which is totally done just for shock value. Yeah. But still, I mean, it worked for me. I got to the last page and I went, whoa. And it, I won't. It's not a twist, but it's like it kind of it's a shocker. And with the <clears throat> I own the night. Like there I is a couple. Uh, yeah, there are a couple That's... of groaners in the dialogue. But oh. making fun of Tony Daniel as a writer is old hat. Uh, it is. Uh, I, I, it's better than he was producing before. And I'm going to check out the next one. I'm giving it a skim it yeah. because it's not the strongest of the books. And but- I agree. I'm not saying leave it. I'm giving it a skim it. I just wish Tony Daniel could draw this and it could pair him with a really solid writer. Yeah. I- I'm interested enough to come back. That's my bottom Moving on, we've got Green Arrow number one by J.T. Kroll. With art by Dan Jurgens and George Perez. Second verse, same as the first. That's what they should have called this story. <laughs> you know, I didn't hate it. I hated it. I'll go I'll go right on. I hated it. I didn't like the art. I don't like the way he looks. I don't like his costume. I don't care about the two new people they introduced that help him, and we learned nothing about them. I didn't care about the cheesy dialogue. Like, get out of here, people. This ain't no disco. Like, this is... This is not the new Green Arrow that I wanted. They had a chance to do something here and make him interesting again. Making him a billionaire or an owner of Queen Industries that doesn't have a beard but has like weird, I don't know, mutton chops looking He does hair. not have mutton chops. I hated it. The cover is not representative of the content. And maybe it's because I care too much about this character. I hated it. I give this a strong leave it. The worst I can say is that it was just average. I mean, like we learned nothing. It was a by the numbers story. It was it was average. Well, no, you you're wrong. They set up the premise of the book. Give me That's a break. the book's job. Well, if this is the premise, I don't care. No, I disagree. I like the the this is a new take. Green Arrow as basically the Steve Jobs of DC and wearing goggles. Fighting crime. I'm glad he's wearing goggles. That feels new. <laughs> I, just I agree that the costume is like they're like oh Green Arrow from Smallville is awesome let's do that yeah um, and I don't need that I prefer the cheesy looking Robin Hood I do Green too that's what, that's what I'd rather uh, see I want the feather in the hat and the weird pointy yeah this looks like green cap. ultimate Hawkeye to me yeah I agree with that um, I disagree on the art. I think Dan Jurgens is a strong storyteller, and it's inked by George Perez. I, just I mean, don't, it looks good. I don't care about Dan Jurgens anymore, and it's nothing against Dan Jurgens. I was never a big fan of his art. This didn't feel fresh, and when you give it a guy like Dan Jurgens working on it, it automatically dates the book for me. It feels old. Now, I won't say it was good. 
I will say it didn't offend me. It did its job. And so, you know, it's an average book. It's a, it's a 5 out of 10. It's a C. It's a skim it. Next, we've got Hawk and Dove, number one, from Sterling Gates and Rob Leefield. And if you follow Rob Leefield on Twitter, you'll see that no one is a bigger fan of Rob Leefield than Rob Leefield. All he's talked about all week <laughs> is how wrong everybody is that's bashed this book. He's like, you're all a bunch of suckers. You don't know what you're talking about. Woo! You know? <laughs> like, um, it is, okay, I, let me say this. I'm not going to leap right in to Rob Leefield bashing. I will say, of the Rob Leefield art that we have seen for the past few years, this is some of the best. This is some of his best work. <laughs> that said, I do not like it, and I do not think it's very good. Sort of like a gilded turd. Yes. I, you know, like, the, I, <clears throat> the Hawk and Dove costumes are not bad. As far as superhero costumes go, they're pretty good. And this is not a big redesign. They look pretty much the same. Although, they made Hawk gray and red instead of white and red, right. which is completely unnecessary. It is. But, <laughs> I mean, that said, they look fine, I guess. This is typical Rob Lee Field where you have giant men in the foreground and no background whatsoever, and when they get really mad, again, nobody has a nose. But, I mean, whatever. That said, the story... There I, are lots of feet in it, though. There's lots of feet. They're not good that. feet. The story was weak at best. It was another one where we hit the ground running, and guess what? Hawk is still a total jerk to everybody for almost no reason. There was a lot of info dump in this one because there, it's one of the books that kind of carries on what happened in Brightest but Day. But it was a bad, it was an ineffective info dump. Like, you want me to believe, like, Hawk sits down with his dad and recounts the whole story of how his brother died? I'll bet his dad know this, knows this already. Well, you, you know, know, that's just what, dumb. What I took out of that was, I mean, I agree it was poorly executed, but what I took out of that was that he mentions the crisis, which means some form of the crisis still occurred. Right. And, I, I mean, that's kind of cool, but, I mean, all all in all, this was a throwaway book. There was really nothing here. And Sterling Gates is better than this. I he's expect, a good writer, yeah, and he's I, better I than this. I expected better of Sterling Gates. I, he he had, I think, what was a thankless job. I think he tailored it to Rob Liefeld. I, absolutely. Um, absolutely. If you just read his Infinite number one, this was very similar in tone. Yeah. Where it's like, hey, kids, you like badass comics? Well, guess what? There's two badasses in this one, and they're so badass that it's badass. Hawk is so <laughs> completely unlikable in this book that... Uh, it was a little bit of a turnoff. Right. Like, more it... so than crazy psychotic Batman, even. Because yeah. Batman was psychotic. Hawk is psychotic and a jerk. I'm giving it a skim it only because I think Sterling Gates is a writer with potential. And I can't see Rob Liefeld sticking on this book for very long. I'm giving it a leave it. I just don't care. This was, a, it was just bad. And I expect more from Sterling Gates. You can do better than this, buddy. Fair enough. All right, that brings us to Justice League International, number one, by Dan Jurgens and Aaron Lepresti. You're a dork. I really liked this one. I did, too. Um, you know, and again, wasn't a huge fan of Dan Jurgens' Booster Gold series, but and not that it was bad. I just wasn't a huge fan. This felt really good. This was it was well-paced, mm -hmm. and uh, it was a read, unlike a lot of, unlike several of these titles, which were just kind of breezed through. There was a read here. There was some good yeah. dialogue. There was some good setup. They introduced the entire team and get to the action in one issue, uh, which is definitely different than how Jeff Johns did it in Justice League. But oh, yeah. I mean, uh, this I, I liked this as well. Uh, I, I don't care so much for Booster's new costume. It's okay. It's just... A, Again, a little over-designed. A little too much, yeah. Um, I thought it was hilarious how the team met for the very first time and then immediately sprang into action without yeah, ever very training age, with each other. Very Silver Age field. Uh, uh, go and, save the world. And I love the fact that Batman is on the team in defiance of the UN and they don't know about it. Yeah. 
<laughs> but th- this one was strong. I'm looking forward to the next one. This one, it's fun. It's got kind Definitely. of a Silver Age feel. Very well drawn. The Hall of Justice is here. They yes. mentioned the Blackhawks. They, uh, you know, like, it, this was yeah. fun. Uh, I agree. It, it's And it's steeped in, like, DC little Easter eggs. On the first page, you get to see, like, a lot of characters that were previously unknown that are now revealed to have carried over. Like the Creeper and uh, Boana Beast <laughs> uh, and Plastic Man and Kong Gorilla. Yeah. You know, these are characters that nobody really knew where they stood in the new DC, but here they are as candidates for the Justice League International. And so. Rocket Red's uh, Russian is still as ham-fisted as ever. Yeah, but I like it. He's yeah, hilarious. I, I kind of like it, He's too. like Yakov Shmirnov in a uh, suit of armor. Yeah, buy it, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, buy it for me as well. This was one, this one was fun. The first pleasant surprise that I had of the relaunch, Men of War, number one. I wasn't expecting much here at all. I was surprised by this. This was a really good book. It had a very kind of uh, Silver Age War feel to it, a lot like those like old school war titles, mm-hmm. but definitely updated. They're using modern equipment. It takes place in modern time. Sure. But this was the story of Joe Rock, grandson of Sergeant Rock, and... Mm-hmm. who he is in the DCU, and they flung him right into conflict. It was really well drawn. There's super people flying around doing stuff. We don't know who they are yet. Yeah, and I actually really liked that. Uh, so basically the setup of the book is that this is what it would be like to be a soldier in a world full of superhumans. And Great concept. I mean, it's, it is. it's fun. It's like and what the rest of us running around trying to keep our head down whilst, while people are blowing up buildings and flying through walls and stuff. And that's the hook, and it really got me. And I like the fact that when they go to the superhuman conflict, you don't get to see who the superhumans are. Yeah, it's just like a blur. Yeah. And then there's another blur. And it was effective it. and, like, devastating, you know, destruction. Yeah. Normally, I am not a fan of Tom Derenick's art, but I thought this book looked good. I thought he did a really good job. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and I'm very interested. It was a pleasant surprise. My expectations were low. Now, that said, I didn't love the second story. Oh, see, no, I thought the second <clears throat> story was very much in the spirit of the old DC War comics. Yeah, but maybe this makes me a bad person, but what I like about the lead story is that it ties to the DC universe. I'm not really interested in reading comics about realistic modern warfare. If they're, if it's done well, I don't mind. And I like that they hit both sides. It's, it's I not like that, that it they, was not done well. I just didn't care. Fair enough. I, I like that they hit both sides. We got a story that had superhumans in it. And then we got another story that's just about Navy SEALs and drawn by Phil Winslade, who does well, The art was great. Work. Uh, Jonathan Vankin wrote it. Had a great end to it. I, I really like this book. I look forward to the next one. Strong Me buy too. Agreed. Buy it. Moving on, something I think we were all really looking forward to. Man. OMAC number one by Dan DiDio and Keith Giffen. I was all ready to hate this. Just hate it. I not was care. ready to hate it and as well. honestly, when I was done, I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it either. I didn't hate it. That said, I also didn't love it. I didn't love it, but I'm interested enough to keep coming if they're going to do come this, back. here's what I'm saying. If they're going to, okay, we should first set it up. This is very close to Jack Kirby's original OMAC. So much, they're even aping the art. You know, um, I mean, like it's a Kirby homage. I don't think the con, uh, like the idea that Brother Eye has enslaved Omac, this guy, and turned him into his his kind of puppet. That's not from Jack Kirby's own. Not directly, but I mean. But old, a lot of the concepts carry over, like yeah. the build of friends Mr. and Ma- the weird, crazy. Mr. Macari is there. Cadmus and all that fun stuff. The weird dark um, side and stuff. And those are actually, that's from Jimmy Olsen, not from Omac. That's true. So, that's true. But it is like a definite co- Kirby homage. And art-wise, 
it was really effective. Keith Giffen, I'm not a fan of his modern style, but I really loved his kind of Kirby-esque take. It's good. Here's what I'm saying. I'm a big fan of Godland over at Image, which is Joe Kelly, and I can't think of the name of the artist. Tom Scioli or something like that. Yeah, Tom Scioli. And what they're doing is a direct ape of Jack Kirby, hands down. I mean, it's cosmic. It's wacky. It's like all of his creations smashed into one. This would have been a fantastic chance for DC to let those guys just go nuts on the DCU and take all these weird characters and ideas that don't work anywhere else and give us this super cosmic psychedelic book. And I feel like they're missing the mark a little bit there. I, I disagree. I mean, I'm not saying that wouldn't have also been good. I think but it would have been more fun. But Keith Giffen is a is a master storyteller. He is. He's good. I haven't loved and most I, of his stories. I don't care for. I don't care for his style, his modern art style. But his ability as a storyteller is 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 proven. Yeah, I'm not saying this is bad. It's just not necessarily what I, I wanted. It. I'm only giving it a skimmit. I'm giving it a skimmit only because. We should say that this is written by Dan DiDio, and up until now, every word that dude has put on the page has been uh, poopy. <laughs> poopy? Poopy. <laughs> okay. Um, but this wasn't, this was good. I mean, it was serviceable, it was fun, it was wacky, and I'm interested in the second issue. I'm giving it a buy it. Whoa. If you're interested in the idea, no, we, we got to speak in absolute. It's not here. a broad buy, Joe Patrick. Well, then it's a skim it, okay? Because if you skim it and you say, "Oh man, this looks crazy. I like it," then buy it. Fair enough. How's that for a workaround? Eat a pack of poop. <laughs> Next up, we've got the rebirth of Dwayne McDuffie's Static and the pages of Static Shock by Scott McDaniel and John Rosam. I admittedly don't know a lot about this this character, like where his powers came from, and he seems like a really powerful guy. I liked. What they did here, like as someone who's never really cared about Static at all, I liked the way this book looked. I kind of fell out of love with Scott McDaniel's art in the past. It looks better here. They gave this a very Spider-Man feel. He's a high-flying, he's a big nerd, wise-cracking <clears throat> science nerd yep. kind of character. But I don't know much about him, and I don't mm-hmm. feel like they told me much about him in this book. Well, see, and I disagree. I mean, character-wise, perhaps it was a little slight, but. The entire time he's explaining how his powers work, and which I, I thought that. was effective. I almost thought it got a little tedious, the whole, like, I'm going to, you know, torque the EMF chain to make the photons, nah, whatever. Nah. Like, I, I think with a, a character much. like Static, which is an, an unknown quantity to a lot of readers, maybe, I think they did a good job explaining how he works. And I liked the idea that, you know, he could positively charge a group of people and then send out a positive pulse and repel them like two light-charged magnets. And it was well done. There was some good science stuff here. I feel like this was probably written for a younger age group than what I would be I think it would have been great for a kid. But this is a fun superhero comic. They acknowledge a lot of this stuff from the Milestone universes carried through. Hardware is here. Some of the bad guys from the Milestone universe is here. This one... Could have some legs. I don't know if it sticks around or not. I'm giving it a skim it just because I don't know or care a lot about the character, but it was well executed. Agreed. And I, I am the same. I give it a skim it as well. For me to go strong by it, it needed to convince me why I should love Static, and it didn't. Um, I totally agree. But, that, but I, I mean, I've known of Static for years, and I've never really cared. So I, Like, maybe a good supporting <clears throat> character. We'll see if he can support his own book or so, not. So, yep, yeah, skim it. And uh, see if Static uh, 
catches your eye more than it did mine. Yeah, skim it for me as well, but I will give these guys props, McDaniel and Rosam. I think they probably did about the best job they could have with it's the number executed. one issue of this character. Joe, tell the kids about Stormwatch. All right. Stormwatch number one by Paul Cornell and Miguel Sepulveda. This is where the Wildstorm <clears throat> U collides with the DCU. This was one of my most anticipated titles of the relaunch, and I have to say it was good, not great. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I... I I thought that the story was good. I like the idea that Stormwatch has been kind of a clandestine operation for centuries, which is a new spin on the yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that they don't have much use for superheroes. This is, It looks like it's going to tie into the Demon Knights thing. They sort of Oh, like, certainly. Which yeah. Paul Cornell is also writing. And so I, on that level, I really enjoyed it. There are a lot of new characters and not a lot of explanation as to who they are, where they come from, they th- what they can do. They threw a lot of stuff at us. Uh, there's a new character called the Eminence of Blades, who, which I who I, I love like and name. Matt doesn't. <laughs> okay, here's what I'm saying. If the Eminence of Blades sticks around and Warblade does not show up, I'm pissed. You're just mad because the Wildcats I'm just have saying. not made an appearance. I'm just saying. So there's a lot going on here. The moon is rebelling against the Earth, which is such a crazy idea idea i love it we'll see oh no i love it uh but normally i'm a fan of miguel sepulveda i thought this art was weak it was kind of mushy right it was it looked super rushed i do not like the way he draws jack hawksmore i thought the story felt super rushed too like i felt like this felt thrown together i feel like they packed a lot in yeah like they tried to do too much in this first issue could be either focus on the fact that we're going to find apollo and the midnighter who also have traveled over, or start touching on the moon thing. You know what I mean? Let's not do both. Let's give us some character stuff, especially a guy like me who loves a Wildstorm universe. I want to see who came over and who didn't. And I don't have a problem with new characters, but there's so many great Wildstorm characters that they could draw on and use in this. I don't really understand why we need You're just mad that they didn't bring Cybernary into the new Storm. I'm a little upset Cybernary. Savant, actually. (laughs) Grunge. I just wanted Rainmaker. (laughs) I'm giving this book a buy it because I love Paul Cornell and I love the take on the Stormwatch idea. It needs to get better. I agree. I, I'm giving it a buy it as well, but I agree. This one needs to improve. A quick little Easter egg. They reference the fact that Martian Manhunter used to be in the Justice League. They do reference Which that. made me very happy. So, Still, I didn't love the characterization of John Jones here either. But I like didn't I have I said, any problems with it whatsoever. Maybe this will improve. And our final book of the DC Roundup, Swamp Thing by Scott Snyder Swamp and Yannick Thing. Peckett. There is not a comic I've been waiting for more than this one. I've been <laughs> screaming about bringing Swamp Thing back to the DCU. It's true. Probably for close to 15 years I'm now. sick of hearing it. And he's back. And I loved it. This it was, very good. was masterful. It was This very was good. excellent. And for everyone that's screaming that they don't like the way Superman was characterized in action comics, here's Superman being Superman. Looking like Superman, nice guy. Well, he doesn't look like Superman. (laughs) Well, you know, he's got the new suit on, whatever. But this was beautiful. Yannick Paquette draws the hell out of a book. If you've been checking, like, the stuff he did on Batman Incorporated, you already know that. He's very good. He is gorgeous here. And this is not what I expected either. This is Alec Holland, a lot more than Swamp Thing. It's true. And there's something going on with the character. But the dialogue is excellent. The story they're building towards is excellent. This looks like it's going to tie very closely to the Animal Man story as well. Mm, There's we'll some see. stuff going on. Well, you've on got with, the green and the red. Some which stuff is going Animal on with Man's the red game, here, so. and I have a feeling it's going to tie into what's happening with Maxine, Animal Man's daughter, oh. which we see as well. Now, I will say there is a lot of information dumped on you at the there first is. beginning of the book because this one 
is also strongly tied to the conclusion of Brightest Day. But once you get past that, once the book kicks into high gear, holy crap, it's terrifying. And this is another, this is a horror <laughs> book. This is a solid horror book, and that is what the Swamp Thing should be. Yes. And I loved it. Uh, it was really good, beautifully drawn, and if you couldn't tell, this book is a strong, strong buy it. Yeah. Uh, if excellent I a, work by Scott Snyder. If I have a favorite that came out this week, it's this one. Swamp really Thing number one. Really, your favorite. This mm-hmm. is my favorite. Strong buy it here. All right. Thus concludeth your tour of week one of the new DC 52. We're going to continue next week. Hopefully there's no news that happens. (laughs) Yeah, the main reason we did it this way is because it was such a slow news week. Well, and honestly, this is probably the biggest story that's ever happened at DC Comics. And if we don't cover it, we're being irresponsible. It's true. We're doing this for you guys. I don't even want to read this crap. If something... (laughs) Liar. (laughs) If something earth-shattering happens in the comics industry next week, we will definitely read record on but, it. But hold tight. This month we're going to slide things around a little bit because we want to cover as much of this as possible. And That's as true. always we want to know which of the DC 52 you guys are reading. Let us know on our Facebook page, kids. Joe, any final thoughts on what we've seen here? Yeah, it's no secret that DC kind of put out the mandate that these new books needed to be handled differently with an emphasis on excitement and action and a hook to bring a, a reader back, especially oh, yeah. a new reader. I think a lot of these books were written in a style that we haven't seen in a long time, and that's why some of them might seem a little odd. Like, But, you know, so it's that sort of thing. That, that's why I think some of these books seem a little off is because they're changing the way they're going about the story. No, absolutely. I'm going to say that from what I noticed, obviously we all know this happened very quickly. The whole idea to reboot this happened pretty fast. It did not. No, they, they, from everything I've ever read, they had been talking about something like this for almost a full year. I get that, but I'm going to say the final execution, when they decided to do this, it happened quick. And I think some of these books came together kind of quickly, and I think it shows a little bit. A little bit. Some of these feel kind of rushed to me. And I think they'll settle into it, but I also don't think that this was the giant shock that I was going to get. I am not totally removed from my DCU. I don't feel that strange. It didn't it. it didn't feel yeah, it didn't feel like it wasn't the DC universe. And it also at the same time did feel new and exciting. And so it, it almost across the board. Like when I read these books, I had a lot of fun. Yeah. And we weren't especially kind to some of them, but even the ones that I didn't necessarily care for None of them were terrible. And the other side of this is we need to keep in mind, not just you and I, but all DC readers, we weren't all reading every single DC comic that came out every month. I was reading maybe six or seven tops. Others I was reading just to review. And that's where this is going to be. They're trying to appeal to fans Different of, types of readers. Green Lantern, fans of Swamp Thing. Not everyone is going to like Animal Man. We don't have to read every single one. And if some of them aren't good, that doesn't mean that the entire line is a failure. Right. And so my first impressions of of this first wave of books is that DC is succeeding. Not all of them are great. None of them were vile. No. And I'll, and for well, the most Hawking Dove some. No, no. <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't good, but it was not offensive either. Uh and, and so I'm saying so far, so good on the DC relaunch. Yeah, and I'm excited for next week. Yeah, I'm very excited for we'll next week. We'll see what happens. Sort of break it, break it down like this. That is it for the two-headed nerd this week. If a hungover Matt Bomb and a sick Joe Patrick fighting over whether or not Dan Jurgen should be drawing comics anymore is your idea of a good way to burn 
30 to 40 minutes, depending on how much I get out of this piece <laughs> of crap. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, where your star ratings and reviews make us so GD happy. <laughs> that's a that's a little inside zinger for you comic industry fans. There you go. If you want to feed the two-headed monster, you can click on our donate button at twoheadednerd.com. And guys, seriously, even if it's only a dollar, everything and anything but you can give is appreciated. But especially if it's more than a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> but it is appreciated more when it's well over $100. As always, you can find all things Two-Headed and Nerdy at twoheadednerd.com. Or you can find our Twitter handles, a link to our blog, and where we will soon be hosting the THN Mascot Contest. We're still taking submissions, and they've been rolling in. We've got about <laughs> a thousand so Attention far. artists, we are accepting submissions for the new THN Mascot, which will be voted on by you guys and will live forever in infamy on the new and improved 2 com, which is coming as soon as I can figure out how to get it all designed. WordPress, baby. It's tough, tough. If that's not enough for you, head over to our Facebook page where you can become a fan of THN and answer our question of the week. Joe? This week's query. We want to know what was your favorite and least favorite titles of the first wave of 13 DC New Universe books. That's right, baby. Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes out to Jeff Hitt, who says you have to read Big Questions by Anders Nilsson from Drawn and Quarterly Comics, or he will find you and punch you in the throat. Where do you, Hefe? And until next time, <laughs> true believers, this is the Two-Headed Nerd, signing off. <coughs>